All right, all right. We have been in this great series called Life's Healing Choices for five weeks. And uh, we want to thank the folks at Saddleback for this and give them the credit and give God the glory. But Life's Healing Choices in parallels the Beatitudes. It also uh, goes along with the steps of Celebrate Recovery, which is a program that we are blessed to be doing here at Bethany. Now, they have, every month, they have some big group celebrations. They're having their next one uh, this Friday. If you need the information, it's right here. We'd love for you. I would deeply encourage you to, to go. We can all use this. Um, and, and it just takes what we're doing and goes a lot deeper. Today, we are on the fifth beatitude, which is this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Now, we are going to close the message with that, kind of build up to it. But um, what this says is there are two kinds of hunger, basically. There's a physical hunger, and there's a spiritual hunger. Now, Bethany, we care about both. Um, we care about people in our community who are physically hungry. So I just want to put you on the alert that we're going to do something in the coming weeks that we've done here before to address physical hunger in our community. It's called freezers of love. What we do is we get big chest freezers, right? And we fill them up with meals. We freeze them, we seal them, and, and, and it's all for one family that doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. And, and as we fill that up, we also write uh, verses and, and, and notes and encouraging words on the outside. Uh, and then we go and we take it to them and we pray for them and we keep in touch with them. And when it empties out, we want, we want to make sure they're filled up. So um, watch your emails, watch um, the Facebook page, because I'm going to need to communicate with you about that in between services. So freezers alone, that's coming. But today we are talking about the spiritual hunger uh, that we feel as God wants to change us. So we're going to look at the story of Jacob. The story of Jacob is awesome, and it illustrates uh, these steps, uh, these life-healing choices. They're not just in the Beatitude. They're all through Scripture. And what we're going to see is in the life of Jacob, we're going to see all of them. So um, we didn't just make this up. It's the path to healing, growth, fullness, recovery, freedom, everything that God wants to do with you. It repeats again and again throughout Scripture. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow along, we're in Genesis 32 and 33, those chapters. If you don't have a, a, uh, a handout sheet, I'd encourage you very strongly to right outside the door to go get one. Um, we're going to be using that pretty extensively. So if God is going to change you, this is this is going to be, uh, as we go through the story of Jacob, uh, we're going to do a kind of a review. So if you've missed any of the weeks, or you've listened, but you haven't taken a step, this is a perfect week for you to be here. So if, if God is going to change you, make the changes in your life that you want, and that God wants to make in you, um, here's phase one. Here's phase one, right? We're going to look at the five phases, but here's phase one. Phase one is conflict, right? Conflict. Did you know that if you are in conflict in a relationship, Congratulations, that's God trying to get your attention, to focus your attention on Him. So if you're in a, a conflict, a relational conflict, 
That's good news. That's what God is doing. God is trying to get your attention. When God changes us, it always starts with conflict. Now, let me give you a little background on the Jacob story that we're going to talk about. If there's one word that characterizes Jacob and his life, it is this. Conflict. He's in conflict, hot mess. Conflict with his father-in-law, conflict with his brothers-in-law. He was born in conflict. In fact, Jacob was a twin, right? And Esau was his brother. Esau was born first. And he comes out, and Jacob is hanging on to his ankle. He's in conflict with his brother. And, and he was named Jacob, which is the supplanter, the deceiver. I'm going to go first. No, I'm going to go first. It's not your role to go first. That's his life. He's in conflict. In fact, he fights with his brother Esau his whole life, mainly because he tried and did steal Esau's inheritance. And if you ever want to create problems in a family, involve money. That does it, right? So, a little background on that. He, he is always running from conflict. He is always running, always running. He's running from his father-in-law. First, he's got a conflict going on with his father-in-law. Why? Because his father-in-law and his, his father-in-law's name is Laban. And they have always had bad blood. In fact, Laban tripped Jacob. Jacob had to work for Laban for 14 years to marry his daughter. Actually ended up marrying two of them, Leah and, and Rachel. So there's bad blood between Leah and uh, Laban and Jacob. He's fighting with this guy. He's fighting with his brother. Here's what the Bible says. This is why it says, Jacob heard that Laban's sons, that this is brothers-in-law, they were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all the wealth from what belonged to our father, which means belonged to us, right? So he's not only stolen from his brother, his actual brother, but his brothers-in-law are, are jealous and, and they're envious, and, and, and that, they're angry. That's a bad thing. Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. So, Jacob is saying, like these things with my in-laws, I know we have never had, none of us have ever had problems with our in-laws, right? But, but he does. He says, these things with my in-laws, they are not going well. I, I can't do this anymore. I gotta go. I gotta go. But by now, he's got two wives, he's got 11 sons, and he's got a lot of flocks. He's gotten very rich. He's got a lot of sheep, he's got a lot of goats, he's got a lot of everything. And he makes the decision that he is going to leave quiet. Right? You've got 11 kids and, 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 and a caravan of U-Hauls. There's no leaving quiet. So he's just getting out. And Laban is mad. You know why? Because he's taking the grandkids. You don't think some of you can relate. You don't take the grandkids. So they're mad. Laban and all his sons are coming after Jacob. Right? And they are mad. And he says, look, I got a problem. I got nowhere to go but home. But my brother, he hates me. Right? I'm fighting with him. But I got an idea. I'm going to send, like, a boatload of gifts. I'm going to send a ton of gifts to him. And, and they're going to say, hey, your brother's coming home. And maybe if I send him enough gifts, he'll forget that I took his inheritance. Now, I'm not a petty man, but... I, I don't think that's going to go well, right? So here's what he does. He he sends the messengers with the gifts ahead to Esau. The messengers come back. He says, how'd it go? And they say, not so good. Not so good. He took the gifts. 
Um, but he's coming after you with 400 warriors with an army, right? So um, here's what it says. Uh, the Bible says, the messengers returned to Jacob and said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. Now, uh, on your sheet, you may want to circle the word terrified. That's where he is. The chickens have come to us. They've come home to us. He is reaping a lifetime of bad choices. If conflict is what God uses to get your attention, he has got Jacob's attention. Because on one side, he's got his father-in-law, his brothers-in-law coming in this way. He's got his brother and an army of 400 going this way. He is literally between a rock and a hard place. And his heart gets to the place where he prays this prayer. Uh, I'm having conflict with my technology. Let me read. Uh, let me read you the prayer he reads. Oh God, I am unworthy of all of the kindness and faithfulness you've shown me. Save me, I pray, for I am afraid. He's scared to death in this conflict. And that leads him to the reality choice, which is, we talked about this in week one. I realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control the tendency to do wrong, the thing that in my life, in my life, and it is unmanageable. My life is unmanageable. I, that's the reality choice, and nothing changes in your life or my life until we get to this point. I've got nothing left. I can't do this. That's the reality choice. When you and I get to where Jacob was, it says, I can't manage this. I can't pull this off. I got nothing in my bag of tricks. God, I need you. And that's where it gets back to the, the Beatitudes. God blesses those who realize their need for him, who are spiritually poor. So here's what Jacob does. Jacob's going to take his family. They're going to cross the river Java. And he says, I got people coming from both sides. So what I'll do is I'll split my family and my possessions into two. Kind of divide and conquer thing. So if my brother with the army like kills this group, like half of my family will live. And if he comes after this one, um, half of my flocks will live and my family will live. So that's where he's going. And then he's getting to phase two because he spends the night alone. He sends his family alone away and they're dividing and he can almost hear the sound of both groups coming in and he he spends the night alone. Except he's not alone. He gets into a fight. He gets into actually a wrestling match. And the wrestling match is with God. And that's where we get to phase two. Phase two is crisis. We go from conflict with people to crisis with God. And that's important. If you can relate to these two things, where you feel like you've had so much conflict with people, and now you've got to have it out with God about this, congratulations, you are moving forward. This is good. If you can relate to this, here's, here's what happened. Jacob got them safely across the brook Java, along with all his possessions, but Jacob stood behind, stayed behind, and he's left alone in the camp. A man, that's God, came and wrestled with him until dawn. That's a long wrestling match. He wrestled with the man all night until dawn. When the man saw that Jacob couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint, 
at the socket. Now, we're going to get back to that because it is so important. It is so important. But we've got to look at something here. What's going on here? His biggest conflict is not with his brother. His biggest conflict is not with his father-in-law. His biggest conflict is not with his brothers-in-law, not with his wives. His biggest conflict is with who? Okay, look at me. It's the same for me and for you. Your biggest conflict is not with what you think is with. It's not with a person. It's not with the circumstance. Your biggest conflict is with God. And God says, okay, okay, we're going to have it out. We're going to go to the We're going to wrestle this out. This is what God shows up. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind having a wrestling match with you. I mean, God would much rather wrestle with you than, than the alternative. Why? Because wrestling is mano a mano, right? It is close. It is up close, connected, and personal. He would rather have you connected with him and angry than ditching him and be apathetic. Right? That's the truth. He likes, he doesn't mind it. God would rather have you up close and angry, saying, God, I don't like this. I don't like this. And I, I'm a little ticked off about this. And I'm going to have it out with you. He would rather that than have you far away and apathetic. Because in contact with God, it changes. That's where we got to go. That's where Jacob went. My, my biggest problem is not with my circumstances or the people. It's with God. Tom, how do you know that it's God he's wrestling with? How do we know? This is not just some guy who lives down in a van by the river who, who picks a fight. Because the Bible tells us in Hosea chapter 12, here's what it says. Before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother, right? Grabbing the egg. When he became a man, he even fought with God. So he's fighting with God. Let me make it a little parallel here. The problem, name it in your heart, in your mind, that you're having right now, it is not your spouse, it is not your job, it is not your health, it is not your finances, it is not your kids, it is not your in-laws, it is not your community, it is not your church, it is not fill in the blank. It is with God. It is with God. And here's, those things are the symptoms. Here's what it got boils down to. Your real struggle is with God. Who is going to be God in your life? Does he get to call the shots or do you? Does he get to order your life and cause you to be at peace when things don't make sense? Or are you going to take your life into your own hands? Your biggest, biggest struggle, my biggest struggle, is with God. And that's why we had to get from phase one, which is conflict with people, to phase two, which is crisis with God. The struggle with God is things aren't working out the way I like. They are not on my time frame. You are not moving fast enough for me. And I'm going to take things into my own hands. Your real struggle is that you're wrestling with God. You take matters into your own hands. God, you're not going to move. I'm going to do this in my relationship. I'm going to do this in my marriage. I'm going to do this in my job. I'm going to do this in my finances. I'm going to do this in my whatever. And we move in our major, in our athletics, in our whatever it is. And that is the source 
of so many bad choices, relationally, financially, is because we don't be still and realize he's in control. He's in control. He's got He's got this. Right? I want you to think right now about the problem you're facing right now. Regardless of whatever that problem is in life, it boils down to this. Will I trust God to take care of the situation? Second question, will I obey God and do the right thing, even if it doesn't make sense? Will I trust Him? Will I obey? Remember the old hymn? Trust and obey. Be happy in Jesus. And trust in Him. Good singing. Maybe our hearts have forgotten. Those are the questions. Those are the questions as we wrestle with God. Notice it said, He came and wrestled with him until dawn. That's a long wrestling match, right? The man saw that he couldn't win the match. Let me say this. Circle couldn't win the match. Right? Here's, here's the thing. When you're wrestling with God, this should come as no shocker. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. There's no winning. It's it's a fixed fight, right? You're gonna lose. But, but God wants you to wrestle with him. You're not going to win. But if you get in an unwin situation, you've got to know God is behind you. You say, let's see how, how smart you are, how strong you are, how creative you are. Let's see how arrogant you are. Let's see if this is going to work. It's not going to work. This prepares us for the second choice. The second choice is the hope choice. Earnestly believe that God exists and that I'm mad at him and that he has the power to help me. This is huge. That's the second step. And it sets you up for the third step. The third step is commitment. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit everything. When I give up on myself, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to hang on to you until you change me, until you bless me, until you turn my life around. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit. Look at how it happened in Jacob's life. Then the man said, God said, let me go, for it's gone, right? We've been struggling. You ever struggled all night with God? You can't sleep? Your mind's going a mile a minute, right? It's gone. And Jacob panicked because he's out of breath. I won't let you go unless you bless me. That's commitment. God, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what you put me. I don't care what it feels like. I'm not letting go of you until I get what you've promised. Until I get you. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That is commitment. That's phase three. Commitment. God, I'm serious about this change. I'm serious about this thing in my life. These chains that you're going to do away with. I'm serious about it. You've got to take this from me. I am going to hold on to you until you do it. I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That is the commitment choice. Consciously choose to commit all of my life and all of my will to Christ's care and control. Nothing, nothing changes. Nothing changes in our lives, in our healing, until we do that. We've got to move through these phases. The Bible says this is the commitment phase, right? Many people, most people, miss God's best. Because they give up too soon. They don't make it until dawn. Let me say, as your pastor and your friend, do not give up. 
Give up on yourself when you're wrestling with God, but do not give up our God in that commitment choice. I am going to cling to you. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to stand on your promises. I am going to breathe your word. I'm going to sleep your word. I'm going to eat your promise. I am going to hang on until you bless me. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. That's what the wrestling is all about. That's what leads us to phase four. This is, you know, we'll go, we'll go with this. Phase four is confession. And, and Ty unpacked this beautifully last week. Confession is when I get real, right? I, I'm, I'm going to stop making um, my excuses. It's not my in-laws. It's not my mom. It's not my dad. It's not alcohol, drugs. It's not sex. I am the problem. I am the problem. That gets us to the confession phase. I admit, I openly confess and examine my faults before God. That's where we need to go. That's the breakthrough. Check it out. It's really cool how it happened with Jacob. Then the man, that's God, asked Jacob, what's your name? What is, how weird a question in the middle of a, of a nighttime wrestling match. It goes on for hours. What's your name? Jacob, he answered. God is like, say your name, say your name. Right? <laughs> okay, young people explain that to the old people after. And Jacob says, my name is Jacob. Let me tell you something about God. When God asks you a question, it's never for his benefit. He already knows the answer. It's like your mom, right? He put that in your mom. God asks you a question. He always knows the answer already. He's asking you to face up to the answer. So what's this about? Well, in ancient times, we didn't make up beautiful-sounding names like we do now. Names then were really a description of a child's character, right? So when somebody tells you their name, it's like a self-revelation. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. And Jacob means scoundrel, deceiver, manipulator, right? Supplanter. This is, these are not good things. He says, what's your name? He says, I'm Jacob, I'm deceiver, I'm liar, I'm fake, that's who I am. That's the confession phase. I'm prideful, I'm gossip, I'm lusting, I'm worried, I'm materialist, but you may you may be saying, that's all part of the healing. That is all part of the healing. All his life, he lived up to his name. All his life, he lived up to his name. And that led us to the house building choice. Hopefully examine, confess myself to myself, right? I'm going to be honest with myself. To God, I'm going to be honest to God. And to somebody that I trust. I'm going to share it with somebody who I trust, right? It's in the book. So they can pray for me, so they can encourage me, so they can be my accountability and, and my encouragement. Right? Hold me up, right? When I can't do it, you can't do this alone. You gotta get to that point. Here's the cool thing. When when Jacob says, I'm the manipulator, God in shock. He's like, wait a minute, I'm wrestling you with the manipulator. I didn't see that coming. No. He knows who you are. 
He knows who you are deep down underneath it all. He knows stuff about you that's wrong about you that you don't even know why about you. And get this, he loves you. He loves you anyway. Jesus knew all of that when he went to the cross for you and died for you and rose for you. So when we're at our worst, when we're sinners, Christ died for us. He knows that. He loves you, but he loves you so much that he's not willing to let you stay there. Right? How does God to respond to that? How does God respond when he says, I'm the manipulator? When he's broken heart, the Lord is close to the broken heart. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you get vulnerable, when you get real, when most people would run away, God runs in. When, when you're at your most hurting, you can be assured that God is with you. That's where he runs into. Because in the cracks, he gets in. Right? In the broken heart. So if that's where you are, that is good news that leads us to phase five. That's where we are. That's conversion. That's transformation. That's where we're going, right? I move from conflict with others to crisis with God to commitment, right? I'm going to change. I'm going to trust God with those changes to then confess that I am the problem. Then God says, okay. Okay, now comes the conversion. You're going to get that brand new identity. Look how God um, responds to Jacob. Then God the band said, your name will no longer be Jacob. I don't see manipulating. I don't see a lie. Your name is going to be Israel. Do you know what Israel means? It means Prince of God. You lived as a liar. You had a label as a liar. Your parents gave you a label. You're no good. You're disciplined. Whatever it is, I see underneath Underneath it all, I see the person I created you to be. I see a prince. I see a princess. I'm going to call you by a new name. That you don't think you have the right to deserve. I'm not only going to call you by a new name. I'm giving you a new identity. Who you are in me. I wrestled with this. I wrestled with this. I said, God, what do you want for me? Said, All your life, you've been a disappointment. All your life, you felt like you failed. Your name is not failure. It's truth. Take it. I'm giving you that. You take it. Your new identity. Walk in this. I will walk through you in this. What name? What name is on you? Take it from your child. If you're still fighting with this, what is it? What is it? You need a new identity. I don't know if you can see that. You fill in this blank. It's just like me to be blank. How did you you fill that in? That's who you used to be. If you will go through these thoughts, these attitudes, these feelings, God will give you a new identity. He will call you prince. He will call you princess. That is the truth of the gospel. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come, he will speak to you a new name, and he blessed He blessed Voluntarily submit and be changed that God wants to make in my life, humbly ask him to remove my character defects. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. God is not done with me. I am not who I was. Thank God I'm not yet who I'm going to be. He is not done with me. You are not in Christ who you were, and you're not yet who you're going to be. God is not done with you. That is hope. That is a promise. And I wonder if you could you could say this with me out loud. God isn't finished with me yet. Okay. Um, apparently, he sounds like he is finished with some of you because you, you didn't say this. So, so let, let's, let's try it again. Like from the heart, everybody say, God isn't finished with me yet. That's true. That's true. He is, he is saying about, he is putting aside all your things. And he is bringing out that thing that you didn't even have the courage to see in your new identity. He's moving on. And as the sun rose, Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. You remember, you remember when they were wrestling? Uh, God dislocated his hip and touched him on his hip, right? So he, he walks with a limp. You see that circle of word limp? That's, that's very important. When God encounters you and you have the wrestling match and gives you a new identity, you're going to walk with a limp. What is this about? Well, it's about a couple of things. Real quick. What is the significance? Jacob had run from every conflict. Maybe that's you. You have run from every conflict, and, and he's saying no more running. No more running from people. No more running from me. Okay? What's the second significance? He struck him in the area of his greatest strength. You know your thigh is your, your largest, strongest muscle in your body? That is his strength. Right? He touched him in the area of his strength. Your, your lies and your manipulation and your smarts and your cunning and your cuteness and, and your money, you thought they were going to get you out of it. You can't rely on that anymore. you got to rely on me. I am going to you remember that you got to depend on me. God may touch you in the area of your greatest strength so that you can depend on him and not your strength decided to touch me in my head. You're not smart enough for this. You got to depend on me. What is it for you? Third thing is that he left. Jacob left weaker and stronger. He left weaker in his own strength, but he left stronger because God said, now I am going to walk in you. You're going to walk in my strength. So is he both weaker and stronger? God's giants, God's heroes, the men and women he used for his glory have always walked with limp. All of them, in one way or another. Relational limp, a, a, a speech thing, a mind thing, a physical thing, a financial thing. That's what happens. So they can depend on God, and God can be glorified even in their weakness. Paul says, you're not going to rely on self strength anymore, you're going to rely on me. Paul says, to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a limp to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God to take it away. But he said, my grace is enough for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast about my limp, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
But if you're not at the point where you can boast in your link, you've got to go through this. You've got to go through the steps. So I'm just going to close. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Are you experiencing any conflict right now? In what area are you struggling with God? Where have you felt like giving up? When are you and I going to face the truth about you? When are you going to stop blaming others for the problems you've caused? When are you going to stop pretending that you're not the problem? When are you going to share your struggle with somebody else? And are you ready for Jesus to give you a new identity? That's who we are. And if you have heard from God this morning, you've been here through these steps and maybe you've heard them, but you haven't taken them. This is your chance. Let's bring the lights down. Let's bring the worship team up. And let's pray. Just agree with me in your heart. Follow me this prayer in your mind. Dear God, I admit, I'm like Jacob. I've been struggling with you. I've been fighting with other people. And I, I confess the stress in my life. I don't want to get stuck at, at stage one in conflict with other people. I certainly don't want to get stuck at stage two in wrestling and fighting with you. Lord, I, I need to be at stage three, that of commitment. I give 100% of my life to you, Jesus. The good, the bad, the ugly, I give it all to you. Lord, I can't manage my life. You have been calling for my life. I have resisted your call. I am giving in. Lord, you came for me. You lived for me. You died for me. You rose for me. And you came to bring me here to this place. And you spoke to me. I'm giving it all to you. Lord, and then in, in phase four, I'm going to confess. I'm going to say, look, it's me. I've been the problem. These other things are just, just symptoms. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm coming out of denial. I'm just saying problem has been me all along. And Lord, I want to be at phase five. I need a new name. I need a new identity. And I don't care if I walk with the wind for the rest of my life. Because I will only use it to boast in how great you are. Lord, I give you all. Please. I will not let go until you rest. <laughs>